Amen. As they finish up, put your hand on your own heart. <clears throat> put your hand on your own heart. We're going to keep worshiping this morning. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to do some interactive worship as we do. So put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, teach me to worship. I want my heart to be on fire for you and to worship you like I've never worshiped before. I give you permission this morning to come and radicalize my heart, set it on fire for worshiping you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All the kiddos can follow Miss Rachel on out. Thank you, Miss Candace. Great job. We're going to just continue into the spirit of worship. Amen. So um, you can open up your Bibles. I've got a few verses for us, but we're going to jump right on into it. Um, we've been going through the four pillars of the church, which are the four pillars of the four primary key uh, focuses of the church. The first one is love. The second is prayer and worship. The third is equip and release. And the fourth is rescue. So say love. Say prayer and worship. Say equip and release. Say rescue. <laughs> Thank you very much. Everybody joined in that time. All right, so today we're talking about prayer and worship, but we're not talking about prayer. We're only talking about worship. So prayer will be another time soon. But why did God say to us, these four things have to be primary in the house, a primary vision of this church, okay? So Rachel talked about love last week. Today we're talking about why worship is so incredibly important. Are you ready? Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? You ready? The band's ready. All right. So here we go. Why is worship so important? Worship is an unbelievably fundamental part of what happens in the heavenlies. Amen. Um, I got to meet this guy who, this was years ago, he, he wrote a little book, um, Braxton, what was his name? Braxton something, I can get it for you later. But he died, and he was physically dead, according to the doctors, for 45 minutes, okay? And he randomly came to Norman for some reason. But he had died in the emergency room with under the doctor's care because of some kidney stuff. And he went to heaven for those 45 minutes, and he then wrote a book and told his story. But before he did, what he, he was extremely grounded in the word. And so before he started telling what had happened, he sat down with his pastor for years and began to sit and say, okay, I saw this. Is this in the Bible or is this biblical at all? Because I'm not going to say anything that I don't feel like is backed up by the Bible. And so it was really cool because he and his, his pastor had spent hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours studying scripture and looking in the scriptures for the things that he experienced while he was in heaven. And then he shares about those things. Well, one of the things that he shared about in, in um, his book and then also while I was uh, having dinner with him was he said that in heaven, the worship is just completely off the charts. It's the most amazing thing that you've ever experienced. He said there are more things in heaven that worship that you simply could not imagine. He describes this, this, this scenario, this scene where he walks up to the throne of God and there's all these people worshiping the Lord. And there's water before the throne. And he said, the water, this is weird, okay, I know. When you get there, you just tell me how weird it is. But the water itself was worshiping the Lord through dance and song. The water would rise up and do this beautiful dance before the throne of God. And the water would sing. The grass would sing. The flowers would sing. Every creature was singing. The rocks are crying out. Exactly. When you get to heaven, our minds are going to be blown at the things that are worshiping the King of Kings in heaven. You know why? Because when you are before God, you will not be able to resist. You will not be able to hold in your worship and your praise before him. It's going to get drawn out of you. Like, you're going to walk in and be like, I don't want to worship today. Whoa, what's happening to me? I'm worshiping the King of Kings. I can't resist. It talks about the elders. You know, they take their thrones and they bow down before the Lord and they lay down their lives before him and they give him all of their crowns. And then they, Jesus gives them their crowns back and then they just give it out again. They keep giving his, the worship to Jesus because you can't help it when you're face to face with God. Here's why I think God loves us humans worshiping on the earth today, okay? When you get to heaven, you will not be able to resist. But today, you have the free will choice to resist worshiping the King of Kings. 
Okay? Every single person who walked in the room today, you had a choice to engage in worshiping the King of Kings this morning or not to engage in worshiping the King of Kings. And for those of you who did engage in worshiping the King of Kings, it is something unbelievably sweet to the Lord that he loves and he cherishes and he appreciates. Okay, so today we're going to talk about worship and why it's so important. We want to create a place, an atmosphere like it is in heaven, so it is here on the earth. Bethel was the place where the heavens were opened on the earth. And you could see God and the angels coming down. And in a moment, God spoke and changed lives just like that. We want to create that place here in this building, here in southwest Oklahoma City, and here wherever we end up over the years, you know, as different churches are planted or whatnot. We want to create the atmosphere of heaven on the earth. So the atmosphere of heaven on the earth is created through worship, okay? Fun fact, our uh, not-so-good buddy, Lucifer, okay? The Bible talks about Lucifer's body, okay? Raise your hand if you already know about this, Lucifer's body, okay, a couple people. In Ezekiel 28, 13, if you look it up, it describes Lucifer's body, Lucifer, Satan, in case you don't know, as this, the most gorgeous angel that you could ever imagine. It says that his body was covered with diamonds and emeralds and jewels and precious metals, and his body was gorgeous, so incredible to look at. But it also says that built into his own physical angelic being were timbrels and pipes, okay? Built into the being of Lucifer, even still today, are timbrels, which are like cymbals and pipes, uh, not pipes, uh, tambourines and drums, that kind of deal, and pipes. What are pipes in the music world? You got flutes, you got little thingies the elementaries use. You got oboes, you got clarinets, you got trumpets, you got trombones, you got how many instruments, pipe organs, how many instruments are made out of pipes, okay? Inside the being of Lucifer are built in musical instruments. And I've heard it said that when the winds of heaven blew, his physical body was not able to resist bringing praise and honor to the Lord, And his job, it says he was the workmanship of God. And his job was to bring people to worship the Lord. He had one of the most important roles in heaven, which was to bring worship to God. How amazing is that, right? Worship is so incredibly important to the Lord. The power of song is incredible. Uh, Raise your hand if you've ever heard that if you sing to your plants, they will thrive and come to life. Anybody ever heard that? There is scientific research that if you sing sweet songs to your plants, they are going to come alive and thrive. How weird is this? I know. Shake your head. Say, yes, that is weird. Nobody's shaking. You don't think that's weird? I think it's really weird. I don't sing to my plants. All my plants are dead. Okay. Um, there's, if you look through history, you're going to find places where song, the cultures, whole cultures realize the power of song. If you go to a soccer game in Europe, what do they do? They sing together. 80,000 people singing together because they understand the power of song, right? I think of the Samoans, and they do their war chants. And it's like freaky and demonic. I think it's terrifying. Make you pee your pants. But they understand the power of bringing our voices out loud in unison. There is a physical power that comes with it. Am I right? Um, and I also think of how many, raise your hand if you've ever heard a story um, of somebody selling their soul to the devil and then all of a sudden they become a famous musician. Have you ever heard this? I've heard countless, I mean literally countless of stories. Do I know if they're true or not? I have no idea. But based on the stories of who they were before and who they were after that moment, I think it's probably true. <laughs> Most all the stories I've heard. I have no doubt on these things. You know why? Because Satan knows the power of song. And Satan knows if he can influence the earth with his songs to not bring glory to God, he's doing a great thing in his mind. Okay? So song is incredibly powerful. And so that's why we spend so much time singing and praising and bringing worship to the Lord, because song is, empow- is powerful. Amen?
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a song. We're going to interact with worship, okay? I, do, I did not give you the words on purpose because if you don't know the song, I want your spirit to feel the song. I don't want you to look and stare at the words, okay? So we're going to stand up together. We're going to worship. We're going to enter into the presence of the Lord. And I want you to pay attention. As you worship the Lord, pay attention to the atmosphere and how the atmosphere changes right before our midst. Okay? Are you ready?
feel the atmosphere change? Yeah? Amen. We're going to do it again in just a minute. But I want to keep on moving. Psalms 145. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give him thanks and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Okay? The reason that we give thanks and honor to the Lord, bless you, is <laughs> because he is good. Okay? When you come into his midst, we have to recognize that he's good. And we have to look at his goodness. We have to pay attention to his goodness. If you see God for who he really is, there is zero question. You will give your praise to him. Okay? And so when you come into his presence, if you're not feeling to praise his name, you need to look for his goodness. And when you see his goodness, it will come out of you naturally. Okay? But when we come into his gates, the Bible tells us, come into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Why do we do that? Well, whenever I show up to one of your houses and I open the door and you don't talk to me at all and you don't address me and you ignore me and you pretend like I'm not there or if you do talk to me, you're not really excited to talk to me, you know what I'm going to do? I'll be like, oh, peace out. See y'all have a great day. Adios. I'm out of here. But when I open your door and you're like, Grant, it's great to see you. Hey, man, how you doing? I want to stay. I'm like, hey, pull up a chair, man. What's for dinner? We're going to hang out tonight, all right? I think the Lord is the same way. He's an emotional being. He gave you the emotions that you have, and he feels the same things that you feel. Oftentimes. Psalms 22, verse 3. This is the New American Standard. It says, Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Say it with me. Enthroned upon the praises of Israel. One more time, enthroned upon the praises of Israel. The Hebrew word for enthroned upon is yashav. It means to dwell. Say dwell. It means remain. It means to sit, to abide. And it's translated in all these various ways through different, different uh, translations of the Bible. Strong's definition says it this way. It means to sit down specifically as a judge in ambush or in quiet. Let those wheels spin for a second. So when you praise the Lord, he comes into your life. He comes into your realm and he sits down as judge in ambush for your enemies. Who wants the Lord to come and be a just judge in your own life? I do. Amen. Okay, when you praise, that's what happens. He comes and he sits down as judge in your life. Not only that, but when you praise him, it also means by implication that he comes and dwells in your midst. So when you give your praise to him, the Lord, the King of kings, the host of hosts, he comes and he hangs out with you. Okay? Your praises, we say it all the time here, but your praises literally are creating a chair, a nice, comfy, lazy boy chair, hopefully, with a recliner on it, okay, like at the movies, where the Lord loves to come and just sit and just be with you and just hang out, okay? And why is that important? Because when the Lord comes into your life, good things happen. Can I get an amen? When the Lord comes in your life, good things happen. So if you don't want good things to happen in your life, quit praising God. When, if you don't want good things to come in your life, then when you walk in the room, do not open your lips and do not give your praise to the Lord. But if you want good things to happen, come in this room and give your praise to the Lord because he's going to come into your life and he's going to begin doing good things. Amen? Okay, this is a, a, another piece of the puzzle. We need to recognize we are literally created by God with DNA inside of your blood to pour out your praise to the Lord, okay? It's, it's who he made you to be as somebody who gives honor to him. When you sing, singing puts things into your spirit in ways that other things simply can't. Have you ever noticed like with, with yourself or with kids, if you teach them a song, they'll remember things way better than if you don't teach. Singing puts things deep inside of us. Singing about God draws your heart and draws him near. If you begin to sing about God when you're not happy with God, if you begin to sing about God's goodness, you will then begin to recognize his goodness and your heart will be drawn to him it's how it works 
There's something very different and special about interacting with the Lord through song. It's, it's, a, it's a significant, supernatural thing that takes place. David understood the importance of worship. So whenever David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, he had started to bring it, and he didn't pay attention to protocol, and some bad stuff happened. So he was like, forget this. Ooh, I'm terrified. I'm going to leave it there for years and years. But then later he realized the blessings that were coming upon the person where he left the Ark of the Covenant. And so he's like, man, I really want the Lord in Jerusalem, in the house. Come on, let's go, guys. And he went bonkers, doing it right. He followed protocol to the T. And they would pick up the Ark of the Covenant like they were supposed to. They would walk, like, I forget how many steps, a few steps. And then they would stop and they'd have a sacrifice. And then honor the Lord. And then they'd pick it up and walk a few more steps and they'd sacrifice. And we're talking a long distance to get all the way to Jerusalem. This is a long procession. But guess what? When David did this, he set up how many singers? Don't say it, Sharon. 4,000 musicians. He called up 4,000 Levite priests to come and sing before the Lord. Because David knew the power of song and worship to the Lord. And he was like, I'm not going to screw it up this time. I'm going to do it right. But not only that, when he brought the Ark of the Covenant to town, he also set up 24-7 praise and worship with these 4,000 singers. 24-7, the worship never stopped. Do you know that in that 30-something years where David set up the divinic order of worship, 24-7 praise and worship, in those 30-something years, there was not war in Jerusalem at all. During those 30-something years, David was victorious in almost every single battle that he went out. Every single one. Every battle. And during that 30 years, this is where the wealth in the... This, Israel became a mighty, powerful, terrifying nation to the other nations of the earth in this 30-something years. They became one of the wealthiest countries in the world in this 30-something years. The wealth that David gave to Solomon to build the temple, which was the most extravagant, ornate building of history of all time, it came during these 30-something years when worship was happening day and night, day and night. Because worship is powerful. Worship is significant. There were many other times throughout the Bible where they set up divinic, the divinic order of worship. Solomon introduced it. Jehoshaphat, he defeated Moab and Ammon by setting up uh, singers. And I'll tell you about that here in a second. Joash did it. Hezekiah did it. Josiah did it. Ezra and Nehemiah did it. And historians, I just learned this yesterday, historians have found research where they believe that there was this group of God lovers called the Essenes. And around the time that Jesus came to the earth, they found that the Essenes had began to worship day and night as a regular part of their lives, trying to draw near to God. And then Jesus comes in that time frame. How cool is that? So, worship is warfare. Say, worship is warfare. This comes from 2 Chronicles 20. 15 through 17. And I'm just going to read an article from Emily Tomko. It says, When faced with an impossible situation, there were two armies bigger than themselves attacking Israel simultaneously. Israel sought the Lord as the only possible solution. The Holy Spirit fell on a man named Jahaziel, a member of the family of Levitical priests. And Jahaziel said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. And what happens next is amazing. The king appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire, and they went out before the army. And they said, give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is, is everlasting. And when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the enemies who had come against Judah. So they were routed. Amen? So when, when they began singing, the Lord sets ambushes against the two bigger armies, and the Lord fights on behalf of Israel. Israel doesn't raise one sword. All they do is give praise to the Lord, and the Lord takes their praise and uses it as weapons upon their enemies and kicks their butts. <laughs> okay? 
Notice that Israel still had to face their opponents, and God didn't instruct them just to sit at home and ignore the enemy, but it was God who did the fighting. Their job was to seek him, listen for his direction, and then obey. Worship was the weapon that moved the hand of God to destroy the forces greater than them. Amen? Amen. What's that? Amen. So, when you praise, when you pour out your praise to the Lord, you are literally giving God a giant weapon that he can use to go and attack his enemies who are coming against you. So if you're in a situation in your life where you feel like, oh my gosh, the devil is all over me. Get off my back. Leave me alone. Like sickness in my family, messing with my money, messing with my job, whatever. When you find those situations... Your most powerful tool is to stop everything and to stand up and begin to praise God and remember his goodness and his everlasting goodness in your life. And when you do that, you are handing God a bazooka. And he will take your praise and he will blow the smithereens out of his enemies who are also your enemies. Amen? Okay, last principle. Then we're going to sing again. Y'all have heard this many times. It's, it's no worship, no rain. Raise your hand if you've heard no worship, no rain. All right? This comes from Zechariah 14, verse 17. This is written after Jerusalem has been, uh, you know, dispersed. And, and now the Lord's calling them back in. It says, if any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. The Lord says it plain as day through a prophetic word. If you choose not to go up and worship the king of kings, that's fine. Your choice. But you will have no rain. Okay? If you go to Israel today, did they talk about rain a ton when you went? They didn't really talk about it? When we went, rain in their culture in Israel is so unbelievably important. They, they talked about it. I feel like everywhere that we went, they're constantly talking about the rain, the rain, the rain, the rain. And in their minds, as Jewish people in Israel, they recognize rain is very directly correlated to their current response to the king of kings. If they are, as a nation, are in a good place, they will have abundant rain that will bring blessing upon the land. If they are doing bad things, they know, based on history, they will have no rain. Okay? Rain, in the natural, brings life. It brings things to life. It cleanses things. It washes things. It keeps things healthy and it brings life to things. Rain in the spiritual is blessing and the Lord bringing blessing and, and cleansing and prosperity upon you. The Lord wants to prosper you. He wants to lead you along a good path. That comes through his rain, through his blessings. Amen? So the principle is if you walk in the room and you're like, eh, I don't really want to worship today. It's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm chill. I'm fine. I don't want to mess with it. That's cool. The Bible says, God himself said to you, that's cool, no worship, no rain, okay? But if you want rain in your life, if you want abundance, if you want prosperity, if you want good things in your life, according to God, worship him, and he comes near. And when he comes near, amazing things happen, amen? All right, so let's recap. Come into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Your praise creates the atmosphere for him to come and sit as judge. For him to come and dwell in your midst and come and bring rain. David recognized the importance of worship and he lived in prosperity as a result. Worship is warfare against the Lord's enemies. And if you choose not to worship, then there's no rain coming your way. Amen? Okay, let's sing another song. Jonathan's going to bring down the lights. Now I want you to take what you've just heard and I want you just to pour it back out to the Lord in thanksgiving to him. Okay, let's stand up together. Your thoughts for me, how vast they are, our number sits upon the shore, I can't attain. You hemmed me in behind 
turning the corner. You can sit down. We're going to talk uh, just a, a few practicals of how do you worship practically. Let me pause my music. We got one more. Two more. Okay, hang in there. Um, okay, so practically, what do you do when you walk in the room? 
or when you're at home and it's time to worship and you just don't want to worship. Has that ever happened to anybody in the room? Okay. Three. Three people are brave enough to raise their hand. A few more. All right. Don't feel bad. You're not the only one. It's happened to me plenty of times. Um, but guess what? It also happened to King David, the one who was known as the worshiper, right? The one with God's heart. It happened to him. So we see him talk in Psalms 43, 5. He's in, a, he's in a bummer place. He's in a down place. And he says, why, oh my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you disturbed? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. He's proclaiming to himself. He's in that exact same place. Oh, I don't want to worship you. I will worship you again. Okay? Psalms 40, verse 1 through 3. This is the same kind of thing. He's in a pit. He's in a dark place. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Amen? So David, in this dark place where he doesn't feel like anything's going his way, he doesn't want to worship the Lord, his answer was to wait patiently for the Lord. And then the Lord inclined to David, and the Lord heard David's cry, and the Lord drew David up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and the Lord set David's feet upon the rock, making his steps secure, and the Lord put a new song in his mouth, a song to praise our God. All right? So David's solution, whenever he was down in that pit and he doesn't feel like worshiping the Lord, his solution was to wait patiently for the Lord and to come humbly before the Lord and just be honest and tell the Lord where he really was at and let the Lord then come and put a new song in his mouth. Okay? So this is from Pastor Steve Fuller. <coughs> he says, what's it mean to wait for the Lord? We could think it means passively hoping that God will change us. But the Hebrew word does not mean passive waiting. It means eager seeking. It means taking steps that God has promised to use to help us while trusting him expectantly to work. So here's some specific suggestions Pastor Steve has found helpful. Look to Jesus expectantly. Don't focus on your lifeless heart. Instead, look to Christ with faith, trusting him to meet you, help you, and change you. All right, so you walk in the room, you don't want to worship. Don't look at your lifeless heart. Instead, look at Jesus. Then pray and ask him to help you worship. Be honest with him about the dullness of your heart. Confess any known sin and be assured of forgiveness based on the finished work of the cross. Then ask for more of the Spirit's work in your heart to enable you to feel joyful praise, awestruck wonder, and heartfelt longing. Then set your heart on the truth of who God is as revealed in Christ. I love this quote. He says, if worship is fire, then truth is the fuel that causes the fire to burn. The more fuel, the hotter the fire. So focus prayerfully and relentlessly on the truth in the songs, the prayers, and the scriptures. Okay? If worship is fire, then truth is the fuel that causes the fire to burn. The more fuel, the hotter the fire. So focus prayerfully and relentlessly on the truth in the songs, the prayers, and the scriptures. And then continue these steps patiently. It's called waiting for a reason. God might change your heart instantly or not, but his timing is all about his perfect love for you. So humbly continue and wait on him. So come before him. Be patient. Be honest with him. And let him bring you up and put a new song in your mouth. Amen? Some other practicals about worshiping. Um, I've always found that worship is like a dance, like a ballroom dance, okay? So when you are ballroom dancing, all of us are the girl, and Jesus is the boy, okay? Sorry, men, you're a girl, Alex. Um, so, sorry, Randy, you're a girl. So Jesus is the man. And so when we come into his arms and we just hold him and embrace him, it's like a ballroom dance. The, the girl never has any idea where the heck they're going to go, unless it's choreographed, of course. But they don't know where they're going to go. The girl's role is simply to follow the leader, to follow the man, to follow the dance wherever the dance goes, and let the man do it. Lead and follow. I forgot y'all dance. Yeah. 
maybe maybe later we'll have you example. We'll, we'll have y'all do a little ballroom dance. <clears throat> I totally forgot. It's been like a long time since we talked about that. I love that. They're like legit ballroom. Both of you, right? Or just Reese? I can't remember. Okay. So lead and follow. Is that what you said? So lead and follow. So what does that practically mean for me? Whenever I come to worship, I come and I engage the throne. I engage my heart. I put away distractions. And then I just try to pay attention to thoughts or feelings that pop into my head or pop into my heart. So I'm going to jump into what's happening corporately, okay? That's always my first step is jump into what's happening corporately in the room. And that's just a good way to get the motor spinning. But my goal is never to simply do what the room is doing. My goal is always to directly engage the presence of God, okay? And oftentimes the presence of God for me is very different than what's happening corporately in the room. But the corporate engagement is, is step one. And then at times he'll bring me back to what's happening corporately and then take me somewhere else in the middle of worship, right? So I come in and I worship. I close my eyes. I begin to sing the song. If I don't know the song, I typically won't even look at the words. I'll just close my eyes and just kind of let my spirit connect with the Lord and sing. Maybe hum along, you know, make noise, whatever. But I'll begin to praise the Lord. And then if I have a thought, every so often I'll have this, sit down. And then, oh, sit down. So then I'll sit down or... And lay down or get on your knees or go to the back of the room or just these random like flashes of thoughts that come into my heart or my spirit. I find that if I'm obedient to pay attention to those tiny, tiny little blast thoughts that pop in there, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And if I will, why would, what do you do? I'm, I'm up here in the front. Why would I go back to the back of the room? The worship's right here. Why would I? But if I don't bicker, and if I, okay, I have no idea why, but I'm going to go back here. And if I go follow to the back of the room, when I get there, I'm just going to stand and wait patiently and begin to worship again. And then something else, another thought will pop in my mind. It's, and if I follow the path, I end up in the most beautiful places with the Lord. Not just like physically in the room, but I'll get to the back of the room by myself and I'll have a thought of a picture in heaven, and I'll start thinking about the picture in heaven, and then I'll hear another, th- you know, like, it, 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 it's all connected. What you do physically and how you obey physically in worship is very connected to also what's happening spiritually. If you're willing to follow the little tiny leadings of the Lord, he wants to take you on a journey during worship, okay? So be like a ballroom dancer, jump in, and just go with the flow. Um, listen and go with it. Fight to stay focused. I don't know. I'm probably the only one in the room. I know. But when I pray, sometimes I get distracted. Okay? So you got to fight. Just, so, it, you know, very practically. Um, at the other building, I was laying down, worshiping the Lord. I was in it, man. I was like there with God, having a powerful morning. And Jack jumps on my back. <laughs> and he lays on top of me like, Okay, Lord, what the heck? <laughs> we got to fight to stay focused and like fight to jump back into it. It's just part of worshiping. It's, you're going to get distracted. Jump back into where you were before. Um, let him lead you. A lot of times I'll close my eyes. I want to encourage everybody, try new things in worship. Get away from others until you're free enough to worship close to others. Okay? So for me, um, I began to really worship in high school a couple of like, breakthrough moments at retreats because I grew up in a Baptist church and worship was, you know, we worship to um, the papaya song. I like papayas, papayas, and mangoes are sweet. Uh, <laughs> and then it goes, the sweet love of God, doo-doo-wop, doo-doo-doo-doo-wop, doo-doo-doo-doo-wop, Anybody? I'm the only one. That was my, my Baptist favorite worship song. And so every so often we'd go to a retreat and there'd be a different band who actually had a real worship song. And we would worship and I'd be like, I'd, I'd be standing there with all my friends just staring, you know. But then the presence of God would somehow show up and be like, what is this? What's, what's this? What's happening to me? <laughs> you know? So I had a few like peekaboo moments in high school. But then I go to college. And we go to this great church down in Waco. It's called Antioch. I walk into their college service, and it's like youth camp, but like every week, every single week at the college service. And people are like, like you know, like you guys in the room now. But I was like, what the heck is this place? What's happening? People are worshiping. Like, this is weird. This is crazy. People's got their hands up. They're laying down. They're crying. They're praying. What is this place? You know? 
And so that's, I started going, and I really liked it. I started trying them out. But I found if I was with my friends, I was locked up. I was like, you know, like a little bored. I could not do anything. And so, but then I had this thought, get to the back of the room. So they'd be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to, like, wander. I hope I'm just going to go to the restroom, guys. I'm going to go, you know. So I'd end up in the back of the room. Back corner, there's this miniature balcony back there and this half wall. And I would go and huddle up. I wish I could show you. But I would huddle up behind. It was like the very corner of the auditorium up on this miniature balcony behind though I would huddle up and nobody could see me, okay? And I was like a tiny little ball. And I would begin to sing the songs. And holy smokes, the Lord met me when I got away from the people that were locking me up. And so that became my favorite thing. Like, as soon as I could, I would go find the tiny corner where nobody knew where I was or nobody knew what I was doing. And the Lord would meet with me. And then I would show up there one day and somebody's in my spot. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do now? I look on the other side. There's not one over there. I'm like, shoot, what do I do? And so then there's a spot down front. And in the corner, I was like, okay, I'll try that. And I end up finding myself down there. The Lord meets me again. And so then I'm like on the front corner. But then the next thing, that one's filling. And I'm kind of, I end up in the middle, in the front. And I'm like, this is weird, but no, like none of my friends are here, so I can still worship. And I was free to worship. And that was kind of my progression of worship, of like getting away until I was free enough to, I don't give a rip what you think or you think. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to worship the Lord like, like I have been experiencing by myself in these different places. So if you feel locked up in any way, even if you don't feel locked up, get away from the people you came with. I don't care how nice they are. Get away from them. And go find God because he's in the room and he wants to meet with you in a special and powerful way. And get away until you're able to meet with him with the people that you came with. Amen? All right. And then praying in the spirit. So the Bible is chock full of praying in the spirit. And what is praying in the spirit? That's not today's sermon. But praying in the spirit is knowing, first off, that you primarily are a spirit being. Your physical flesh, pinch yourself so that you know, pinch it, come on, pinch yourself. Your flesh is like a vessel for your spirit, okay? You are not your body, you are your spirit. You are a spirit being. When you get to heaven, we're not going to be speaking English. We're going to speak in spirit, okay? And it is the language of heaven. And so when you pray in the spirit, when you sing in the spirit, you are connecting at a different level than what you are with English or words or whatever words you're using. So pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And at times he'll lead you to pray in the spirit or to sing in the spirit. Um, the Bible talks about praying with groaning and words that, that you can't understand. So like... That song just now, whoa, whoa, praying in the spirit, right? A piece of it. Um, then there's praying in tongues, which is a little different, you know, but they, they go hand in hand. And if you'll follow the path, you know, the Lord wants to take you in deep, powerful places. Amen. So my only thought is on praying in the spirit, if you've never tried it, you should try it. Start with la la, la 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 la. You don't start with la la's, whatever, but pray in the spirit and let the Lord take you somewhere. If you're praying in the spirit, pay attention to the people around you that you don't terrify them, okay? If you've walked in with a friend who you don't know or you're not really sure what, what if they came from First Baptist where I grew up, they're walking out the door, bam, immediately, if you're like right next to them. So be sensitive and caring and loving about the people around you, but engage with the Holy Spirit. You're not here to please them. You're here to connect with God. Um, love them well as you connect with God. But I want to encourage you guys to do that. We've got one more song. Somebody have a hand up? Okay. <laughs> Jonathan's flowing. He's flowing. All right. Let's stand up together. We've got one more. I'm just going to let it run. We have a couple more, but um, one more and then you're dismissed, okay? So this time, take the practicals, take the motivation that we've been talking about this morning, and press in hard and worship your guts out. Bring that rain into your life. Amen? All right.
before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. so so kind to me
You guys are officially dismissed. You can obviously keep worshiping if you want to. Christ the Lord, our conquering King, your name we raise, your triumph sing. Oh, praise the Lord, our mighty warrior. Praise the Lord, the glorious one, and by his hand we stand in
Come on, this is the first song of scripture you read, Exodus chapter 15, the song of Moses. This song came out of his heart after seeing God deliver him and his people from 400 years of slavery. It's amazing. He says, the Lord is my strength. He's my song. The Lord is his name and he reigns forever and ever and ever. Come on. Come on, you read in Revelation 15, all of heaven sings the song of the Lamb and still sings the song of Moses. Heaven sings songs birthed in men and women like you and me. Heaven sings songs that come out of our hearts, come out of our lips. Let's just lift up a song and let heaven begin to sing a song that comes out of you tonight. It came out of Moses and heaven sings it. Let it come out of you tonight. Come on, lift up a song of praise. Let's lift him up. Come on. 